Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. Here we go, here we go, here we go. The vice is tightening around Britain, people, this morning. Health Secretary Matt Hancock is expected to announce at 11.30 the harshest lockdown yet for Manchester and Lancashire and the local mayors are already threatening legal action against Tier 3 status. Meanwhile, in London, it looks like Sadiq Khan has got his way as Hancock moves the capital into Tier 2 status. That means disaster for pubs and restaurants, prevents people meeting up with anyone from outside their own household and unless they're in your own support bubble, whatever that means. We'll be trying to make sense of it all, but we also need your help. If you're stuck in the Northwest, we need to know what it's like. Are you following the rules? Do you even know what they are? 0344 499 1000. First up this morning, though, we've got the man everyone loves to hate. Well, maybe not everyone, just everyone that listens to this show. Piers Morgan joins me in the studio, and we're going to put him through his paces. Why has he become a secret agent for the Labour Party and Keir Starmer? Is he really going to march on Downing Street to demand an interview with Boris Johnson? And has he really fallen out with Donald Trump just because of his ego? I mean, his, not Donald Trump's. And obviously, I'll be interrupting all of his answers, just like he does when anyone appears on Good Morning Britain. 0344 499 1000. Coming up, we'll also be getting to the bottom of the Brexit negotiations and we'll be investigating the shock new figures that lockdown has caused nearly 800 deaths from March to July in under 65s having strokes and heart attacks. Plus, we're going to America to catch up with Donna Harvey on the latest on the race for the White House. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, on the fastest growing radio station on the planet. It is, of course, Talk Radio. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. And it is time to welcome into the home of common sense the man that everybody does love to hate, Piers Morgan. Very good morning to you. I think you'll find that most people love me now. I've become a national treasure. Really? You're the problem. No, listen, I have for a very long time been trying to convince people you're actually really quite a nice guy. <laughs> but but I'm having more and more trouble with it. You know, ever since you took on the government and your ego kind of exploded on Good Morning Britain and you decided that only you knew that COVID was the most dangerous disease in the entire world and only you could... Uh, could get the Prime Minister on to solve the problem. Well, funny enough, you at the time, I remember, agreed with me. No, I didn't. No, I was agreeing with the lockdown at the time yeah, when it came. That's I, what I, I mean. I that's all thought, I called for. Yeah, I always all thought I couldn't. I just couldn't understand why the government hadn't locked down earlier, given what was happening in Italy. You agreed. You said it on this show. Yes, I know. But the point is, is that now, funnily enough, we're also in agreement because I now think Boris Johnson isn't doing a very good job. There we go. Um, I'm not quite sure what we disagree. But about. I don't think there's any point in him going on your show just to be shouted at and interrupted. Well, if he can't handle a bit of a rough and interview, how can he handle running the country? Well, we know how he handles the running the country. Well, yeah, exactly. He ran into a fridge on the eve of the election 
to avoid an interview with Good Morning Britain. Yeah. And he's been running into fridges ever since. Yeah. But you and Cathy Newman the other day said you're going to march on Downing. Yes. You're not really going to do that, are you? Yes. I just said to Julie Hartley, it's not a very scary prospect. Piers Morgan and Cathy Newman are coming. You, know? Hide! You, as a journalist, a fine journalist, yeah, has worked you. with me for many years over the years. It's true. Uh, and as a fearless campaigner for freedom of speech, yes. you should be supporting me against this government boycott, not just of Good Morning Britain, but also Channel 4 News and BBC Newsnight. It is a dereliction of their democratic duty to the voters, our viewers, who pay their salary. Well, I would agree with you about perhaps the fact that he should be doing more interviews. He should be doing something with me. He doesn't do anything with me either. There you go. But on the other hand, you know, I don't get all petulant about it. You go, oh, my God. You're, you know. you're already shouting at me like I do on against yeah, the Yeah, because I want to give you some of your own medicine. Do you not understand there's a slight hypocrisy of this position no, of you bellowing at me none. whilst urging me no, to stop bellowing? No, not at all. Because on, Graham. You, you know, you've you've got to be, no, be more sincere than this. You've never been bellowed out in your stop life. Stop shouting, Morgan. You've, you've, never been, the problem. You've, never been, you've never been bellowed out in your life. That's the thing. I mean, you run that place, right? You, when you, when I worked for Calvin McKenzie. I've been bellowed out. That's true. But you were much younger then, right? But but nowadays, right, you run everything. I mean, I've watched you negotiate your own new salary package on live on air, right? <laughs> and you threatening to walk off the set if they didn't give you something yeah, in you your ear. Me, you watched me with sneaking admiration. I did, actually, wish, yeah. And thought, I wish I could do I that. I mean, there is one the, t the one main difference between you and I is that you make massive amounts of money, and I'm <laughs> very much undervalued here, although, of course, I do very much enjoy working here. There's another difference, which is that you think you speak for the people. I do. It's quite clear from all the polls at the moment that people agree with me and Keir Starmer. How do you how do you counter the fact well, that 68, well, that's 60, very easy? Well, sixty eight percent of the country easy. in the YouGov poll support the restrictions because they understand they don't know how serious. Well, okay, you saying the polls the polls are wrong? Yeah, okay, well, completely Call wrong. Call me old fashioned. But if it's said the polls were wrong about Brexit, the polls were wrong about Jeremy Corbyn, the polls were wrong about Theresa May. So if the polls, and they were wrong about Donald Trump. So if the poll has said sixty eight percent of people do not support it, you wouldn't mention it. Well, the point about the polls is you would mention it. No, it depends on how you ask the question, doesn't it? If I said to you, you know. Would you mind walking with me down to uh, London Bridge and having a pint of beer, uh, even though it might in fact be breaking the new COVID regulations? What would you say? I just think, well, I think the interesting thing you said earlier was about the fact nobody understands the rules. That's true. That is the biggest problem about this. And that's why, in a way, a clean circuit breaker lockdown, at least everyone can understand what that means. Yes. At the moment, you could be living literally four streets away from each other in the northwest of England, and there's one rule for one lot and yeah. one rule for the other. Nobody understands these rules. So people are beginning to treat them with impunity. That in itself is But dangerous. are we not in a terribly bad place when you have, I don't know if you saw the video on, uh, on Twitter last night of a, a Liverpool gym owner who's saying, look, I'm not going to throw people out of the gym. Before he knows what's going on, there's seven armed police officers outside his gym sort of urging him to shut it down. If you're going to publicly Nonsense. Well, is it? But this gonna... is what you're calling for. No, I'm not. Yes, actually. you are. I'm, not. I'm actually, you... I'm actually calling for very practical, common sense restrictions. Yeah. I don't want a national lockdown any more than you did. Right. I didn't want it last time. Nobody wants to lock down the country. It doesn't do any good. We well, know that. It does. What it does, it buys you time to suppress the virus. Which, by the way, right now today, we are in a critical second phase of this pandemic. I listened to you in the summer, yeah. and quite a few of your colleagues here. It was all over, apparently. Well, it was right? all over. This in was the supposed summer. to be all over. Well, it was all over. Well, it in wasn't the summer. all over, was it? Well, this is it. The point is, is that it's never going to be. But all you over. were certain it was all over. Well, I, I kept saying to people, "This is not over." I said I had a bar of soap in my in my sink in the bathroom, which I said by the time it's finished, uh, this will be finished, right. and it will all be. Finished. 
you were wrong. Uh, well, it's still there, the soap. So I'm, you know, I'm holding out for that. You know, it could well be. Just admit you were wrong. I don't admit that I'm wrong. You repeatedly underplay the threat of no, the second that's wave. That's not true. The and we're now wave, having the second no. wave. You never thought would come. No, absolute rubbish. Because I didn't say the second wave would not come. But what I did say, and I've got plenty of scientists who will back me up, that the second wave is nowhere near as dangerous. If you look at the actual hospital tell that graph, to the IC, tell if, that to the ICU well, you, doctors you in Liverpool look, well, who are saying the complete opposite. Well, they are saying the complete opposite, but they're also complaining about being locked down. I don't know what they're going to do in Liverpool. Same in Manchester. They've been moaning about having it's a, a very de- Listen, surely we can agree. Yeah. Right? If we put aside any of the tribalism, which we know wrecks any debate, and yeah. right now everyone's an expert epidemiologist, yeah. let me just state for the record, I'm not. Yes, I Carl don't Hennigan have, is, though. I don't have all the answers. But Carl Hennigan has a lot of the answers. Carl Hennigan he- has one set of answers. Yeah. I have a lot of scientists who have a very different view, including the government's own SAGE Advisory Committee. Now, they, whatever you like... I think they're a waste of time. OK, but they are waste some of the... Waste of time. OK, but that's because you like the scientists who confirm your view. Well, no, I don't like SAGE scientists telling me that, you know, I'm... What you don't want to hear. Massive... Re- no, it's not what I don't want to hear, but they're going to save some lives over here. Oh, but look over there, there's a lot of people dying because they haven't got a job, they haven't got a house anymore, yeah, but, their family can't okay, be supported... let me respond to and that. They, and they are completely destitute. Let me respond to and that. And that's far bigger. The government, in the first wave of this was absolutely negligent in a number of ways. First, they sent 25,000 elderly people out of hospitals. Back that into wasn't cares. the government. Well, that was the, Public Health England. Sorry, they come Different. Up, it comes under Matt Hancock, the health secretary. No, but it wasn't. Sorry, I'm afraid they are accountable to the government. Well, maybe they are. Maybe but they, they are. But you can't say trust the scientists on the one hand because I, they're telling you finish, the truth. No, you can't. I'm interrupting you. Okay. And then That's Public fine. Health England, right, who are also scientists and yeah. also people who look after the public. They come in this under country. the government, Mike. Yeah, but yeah, but the point is, is that you're saying listen to the scientists, right? No. Yes, you are. Well, I'm you not, just said that. I literally was just explaining to you what the government did wrong right. and why they were negligent. And one was in sending old people back into care homes without with, testing with them. With scientific which, advice. Which we know, which we know yes. caused the second epidemic, right? Secondly, they said they saved the NHS, but they did that by not giving people treatment for ongoing diseases like heart disease, strokes, cancer, and so on, which was a terrible dereliction of their duty as yep. a government to protect the citizens. Yes. Thirdly... But we were supposed th- to be saving thirdly, the NHS, right? they did protect a lot of businesses under the furlough scheme, but many people slipped through that net. Millions of people yep. slipped through that net who had been maybe self-employed... And I've been critical of them for years. that as well. And they should be hammered for that. It is the government's responsibility to cover all yeah. of those things. But do you accept And this time this? we're heading into a second wave where I still don't see that they've got the building blocks in place, le- least of all a testing well, system... There's no reason ...that actually can to control be- But there's also no reason to believe even the World Health Organization, which I assume you will take as, as a reasonably good guide to advice for what well, governments should do. They're scientists. Are they scientists you they, believe or not? Well, I, I, I take all scientists' measures and I say, well, look, this is what some scientists are saying. The World yeah. Health Organization says a lockdown uh, is not actually in and of itself But what else did they say? They, they said it shouldn't be used as a primary source what else of, did they of say? shutting down right. the virus. But they also qualified it by saying what you need... A lockdown buys you time to sort out your testing system. We have a catastrophically bad testing system. Look at China last week. One city in China... You can't believe anything from China. you can believe this. What? Because it's an interesting template for us. Go on. Because also they did it in New Zealand. Yeah. So in China, they had a, a city of 9 million people. They had a breakout, I think, of seven or eight cases in a little from a bar. So they say. And they tested all 9 million residents in five days. Well, you can do that in China. Right? You, you can do, put, put a they, gun at their head and say, take this test, please, we'll shoot you. They don't have that strategy in New Zealand. Well, they did the same thing. They had a few cases break out recently. There's they more people living in my street than live in New Zealand. They're an island like we are. Yeah, but they're a very small island with a okay. very small population. So is Sweden. But you're about to tell me Sweden's the answer. What's I'm the not about to tell you Sweden's the answer. I've always been quite sceptical about people who be. use Sweden as an answer. We should all be sceptical of anyone. I'm sceptical of everything. So this is why you should so stop 
blaming the government for absolutely everything because there is no government. I can blame the... them for their failures. Well, you can, but you can't blame them for absolutely everything if they're taking scientific advice. Witty and Valance, right, the brothers Grimm, as I call them, are the sort of people that if you sat next to them on a train would be telling you how desperately dangerous it is because it might crash. But, you know, they're pessimists. They're okay. people who don't have any understanding of business, don't have any... I mean, I was in a restaurant last night, good friend of yours, Very good uh, friend uh, of who sent you his regards, by yeah, the way. Yeah, good man, yeah. Um, he didn't say, I don't know what's gone wrong with Piers, he's gone completely bad. I'm <laughs> trying to get him to say that. But, but I'm the, not sure but, you know what's gone wrong with me. It seems to me I probably agree with most of the stuff you've Well, yeah, saying. but you've now started singing from the old Keir Starmer hymn no, sheet. I Keir haven't. Starmer is not the man no, to back, why don't you right? ask the man's me what an I, idiot. Why don't you ask me what I actually think? Oh, so now you want me to ask you the questions you, you want me to ask you. You seem to have some opinion that I'm massively different to you. I'm not sure I am. Well, tell me what you do think then. What Here's do what you I think. think about the Tory party, for example? The Conservative party yeah. right now, I think, is ripping itself apart. I think Boris Johnson is not a leader. He's been found out. Mm. He got elected by being the great cheerleader for Brexit. I voted against Brexit. But as you may recall, I was also a cheerleader yes. for it being delivered. Yes, indeed. So I believe in democracy. Right. And, in and you, fairness, still, you still believe that, do you? Absolutely. So you want to leave the European Union? I do not want to leave the European Union, but I believe that Brexit should be delivered. Yeah. That's the way the people voted. Yeah, exactly. I've always said that, exactly. loudly. Um, but on the on the government's handling of the pandemic, I can't see anything they've done that hasn't been a total disaster. Well, I think you're wrong there, because you yourself have said well, the, furloughs, well, the furlough scheme, I think, was a very, very... Furlough scheme Some people good, think it was a mistake. But millions slipped through the net. Yes, yes they did. And now we come yes, off the furlough did. scheme onto a far less impressive scheme. Well, what should they have done? Well, look... The government How about has, that for a question? You, don't, you, you might be able to answer that. I will. Here's what the government Go has on. to do. They have to cover it all. They're the government. They can't cover it all. You they tell me to. one... If the government tell me orders one a nightclub or a restaurant or a bar to shut, they have to cover them economically. Yes. Because they, they have a valid crowd of people that want to come. Yeah, but now, come. but now we've got all this tier two and tier three stuff going yes. on. Which is Which is what you called for, right? No, you called no, for, I didn't regional, call for that. regional lockdowns, no, didn't you? No, I didn't. Are you sure? Yes. All right. Well, you wanted more lockdowns. I think though. it's way too confusing to have it all is. the tier systems. It is. And it by is the way, they're changing every 10 seconds. Well, that's the problem. So to me, we should be all in this together. Yeah, but all right. Well, We're going to do it. Well, tell Let's have a short circuit break. Tell me. And the public By the way, it's the people's lockdown. I'm calling it that. It's not the circuit break. I'm not here. I'm not having any Whatever of that. you want to call it. We'll call it the people's lockdown. It's uh, easier lockdown. to understand. We know how to do it. We've done it before. Yeah, but it's you not yourself, really a proper lockdown. You yourself every, said, every if I may place, quote you, your right, own words. Right. Are you you yourself quoting me now. You yourself on April the 6th said that to, to stay at home was not an infringement of your freedom. No. You said it's important to remember in an unprecedented situation, I really don't think being asked to stay at home and just go out for food or a walk is a massive problem. Mike Graham, April the 6th. Well, in April the 6th, that was absolutely What's right. What's changed? The virus absolutely is the right. Well, the virus isn't the same. The virus it is. is a much weaker virus it's for not. a start. Yes, That's it is. completely untrue. Yes, it is. The numbers, no. the numbers game that sorry, the government is now is playing. The Hang on. The sorry, no, no, you're you wrong. You can't interrupt me interrupting you. But you're you. wrong. I'm not wrong. stating a scientific you like me to show you a graph which shows me that the number of hospital admissions is way far below what it was in March, what it was in April, and what it was uh, in May. Com- again, completely untrue. Well, if you want to start quoting things out, I, mean, I can quote to you. I can quote can to I you. Can I just respond to you? Well, no, you can't. You can okay. respond in a minute. May okay. the tenth, and I don't even have to look at my phone to remember the yeah. quote because that's how important your yeah. quote is to me. You said that you were banning all cabinet ministers from your TV show, no, and I was you were not interested in talking to any of them. I was responding, and now you're moaning that none of them will come on. Yeah, as you know, that was a joke because they had. Already- 
already banned. Oh, it was banned. a joke. Well, they'd already banned us. Oh, I see. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. So, it's called so, a joke. In so, the old days, you used to laugh at things like that. Yeah, but you're not that funny. Bit, but now you're you, so self-righteous. You can't. I'm not at all self-righteous. Let me give but you. You've some... just, state, you've just stated a, a series of falsehoods. falsehoods. There is no scientific evidence. There's any weakening of the virus. There what is. What has actually. changed? No. What has changed is there are now drugs that can help stop people get seriously yeah. ill. So the situation has changed. The virus so has changed. That. You, yes, it has. No, it hasn't. Of course, it has. No, the treatment has changed. Because here's the problem. The virus has. All right, let me ask you a question. Do you believe in the testing system? When it works, but it doesn't work. Right, so it doesn't work. And yet you believe that all these positive tests are actually positive. I don't know if they're all positive. So why are you saying there's a big problem then? How do you know there's a big problem if those tests might not be positive? Because it may have escaped your knowledge, but our testing system is completely fractured. It is fractured. Yes. So why are we? And only why, one in, so why and only one in five people in this country are supposed to self-isolate? Right. Self-isolate. Yeah, so, so but the basic question is: all of this stuff that's being done is being done at the behest of a government who tells us that the rates are going up. Right. They are going up. Well, yes, but they might not be. You right. don't believe them. Well, I, I believe that you the think tests. The, the virus going, is weakening. No. Well, and you think the test results are all invented. That's not what I'm you saying. You don't believe that's the poll that says most of the, putting words most in of my the mouth. country supports putting it. Words in my you don't mouth. believe anything that doesn't actually suit your agenda. Well, I don't believe much that comes out of this government, to be honest. And all I don't, the three I don't things think... I just mentioned are facts. No, they're not. You've just admitted okay. that some of the tests might be faulty. No, I didn't. You told me that. Well, you said you don't think the testing system works. I'm assuming when you're testing this number of people, hmm. there are going to be errors and things that slip through right. that we know that. We also know but that also, people... I also know the number of cases, the number of hospitalizations in the Northwest yes. are now ahead of where they were just before yeah. the last national yeah, lockdown. Yeah, but do you know what happened before the last national lockdown? Most of the COVID was in the south of the country. It wasn't in the northwest, and so therefore you're comparing apples and oranges. The point is, you've said let's not be tribal, but in the end, you fall, you fall, you go what right down. What tribe do you think I'm you, on? You go down this lane. You're in the Piers Morgan tribe. You always were. Well, that's a it's great tribe to you. be in. It's always you about should, you. You used to be in my tribe. I did. Well, you were for me. Yeah, but I, I know it's true. Well, I had to be then. You know, that was. Can we point. talk about my book? Let's talk about your book because actually, you, there's a lot of stuff in the book you will agree with. There is a book here, right? It is called Wake Up uh, by Piers. Morgan. This is what, your fourth book, is it? It's actually my 11th book. Your 11th book? Yes. Yeah, but you don't count those ones like Take That that you did. I did an official biography of Take That. You don't and count Philip, that. I actually did an unofficial biography of Philip Schofield. Did you? Excellent. <laughs> well, let's talk about the book. I'll tell you what I do want to talk about because I was listening to you with Chris Evans and I don't think you got to Meghan Markle because Meghan Markle, right? Mm. Fascinating figure uh, who's only gone and invaded her own privacy, which is a great phrase that you invented, um, by moving to, to California. Mm. And she seems to be making a, at least one video a day yeah. in order to protect with her. Harry privacy. is some sort of hostage victim. Yes, exactly right. I'm blaming her now for actually taking away one of the finest young men that this country produced but he's been turning weak. him into a complete and utter patsy well they both become the king and queen of wokery yeah. and they you know they it's sad to watch because harry was very popular very beloved in this country he was contributing a lot i think and was the future of the monarchy and now he's disappeared yeah he's had to give up all his army allegiances which i'm sure must be heartbreaking for him but the, the, the contradictions that are in their lives every minute of the day that you can't preach about equality from an 11 million dollar mansion in santa no, barbara no full stop with 16 bathrooms. Uh, and it's like when they preach to us about the you know, the carbon footprint when they're using elton john's private jet like yeah. a taxi service right. uh, this kind of constant hypocrisy really great with and people. this kind of just about surviving nonsense and, yeah. you know how she was the most trolled woman uh, in world. I really well, that came as news true. to Donald Trump, and in fact to me. Yes. Um, and the worst trolls actually on the social media are Meghan Markle fans. Yeah. Who are the most vicious, abusive people you could ever meet. Also, she says that she came off social media a few years ago, and yet she seems very aware of what social media yes. is saying about it. But it can't be both. Also, I was amazed to see that some people were actually paying something like seven hundred one thousand seven hundred fifty dollars to mm. take part in a webinar, uh, so that they. Could 
could hear the pearls of wisdom. Listen, they, they preach about the environment and then they get a private jet down to a conference where JP Morgan, who had one of the worst environmental records yeah. in the world, paid them, I think, half a million dollars right. to speak about uh, mental health. Although what Harry did do in his speech was talk about the death of his mother again. Mm. I, I don't think he should be getting that kind of money to talk about the death of his mother no. while simultaneously accusing the media of exploiting things like the death of his mother. And, and also his, his, his poor grandmother, the Queen, Horrific. absolutely going through torture. Heartbreaking. What about his grandfather, yeah. Prince Philip, who's right. nearly 100, who's been in ill health. These two are swanning around California doing Netflix deals based on their royal titles. And my view is if you want to be independent and free, well, go and be independent and yeah. free. But don't call yourselves a Duke and Duchess. Well, I love Sussex. this thing that he came out with where, you know, we're, ho we're hoping to become, um, you know, financially independent. You know, we're 36 or something, you know. I mean, He's never I been financially, financially independent. independent when I was 18. He never, he never has been. He's always been living off his father's money. And now they're living off the money they're making from trading in on the royal titles, which is ironic given how much they profess to hate everything the yeah. monarchy stands for. But I think this is partly why on, on, the, on the book front itself, people are confused about you, right? Because you've written about the wokists and how awful mm. they all are and how they want to shut everybody down and cancel everybody and all of that. But on the other hand, you're also kind of on their side on some of the things. Like you've what? Now, well, you've said you're a liberal now, haven't you? you never I've always you, been a liberal. Well, you've never said that to me before. Mate, I was editor of a Daily Mirror for 10 years. Yeah, you're also editor of the News of the World. Eh? You're also editor of the News of the World. Yes. And you also were... I've never of, been right-wing. Well, no, you've never been right-wing, but you, you have a sort of right-wing life, don't you? In Actually, sense my that, sensibilities, journalistically, have always been on the liberal side. The Mirror waged many, many campaigns that could only be yeah. categorised as liberal. Yeah, but also you went up against the Tony Blair and you said yeah. that you were against the Iraq war. And I was just as, by the way, aggressive with Tony Blair yes, you were. when I was the editor of the Labour-supporting Daily Mirror yeah. as I had been with Boris Johnson. But you hired people like John Pilger. And I was right, know, by the way, about the Iraq war. Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. And you, But you hired John Pilger, who's the left side of uh, and Jeremy And I hired Corbyn. Christopher Hitchens. Yes, you did. But I mean, you know, in so the what end... what does that tell you? Well, it tells me that it's all about Piers Morgan. No, it tells before. me that actually I believe in democracy and democratic debate and I believe in both sides of arguments getting a fair hearing. So would you as like indeed to see, we're having now. Indeed. So would you like to see Keir Starmer as the Prime Minister? Though? I think right now he's... Uh, For God's sake. Well, right now he's... don't want him, surely. I'm just saying right now he's showing far better leadership than Boris Johnson. All right, let's talk about President Trump. Yes. You know, famously your mate for a long time. You won the it Apprentice still is, in America. As far as I'm well, he doesn't think so anymore, does he? Actually, we had a little exchange the other day. It was Did fine. you? Yeah, about, funny enough, I sent him an email by a friend of mine at the White House to say how funny I found it when he said about Prince Harry, I want to wish him luck. He's yeah. going to need it. Right. And I got a message back saying the president uh, laughed out loud at your email. So I think we're fine. <laughs> OK. So it's a bit like you and me. We'll shout at each other for a yeah, bit. Yeah. And then we'll go and have a nice meal at Il Portico. And we will indeed. And what about uh, Trump? Do you think he's going to win? I think that last time everyone thought he was going to lose and yeah. I kept saying I thought he was going to win. This time, I believe it's almost an impossible mountain to climb. I mm. think his handling of the pandemic and his treatment of the George Floyd story in America, which you know having worked out there, that was a time for him to be unifying and healing and instead he poured petrol on the, on the fire. I think that the combination of those two things and the fact that Joe Biden is a more popular candidate than Hillary Clinton, uh, I think in middle America, in many of the swing states now, you can see Joe Biden pulling away in a way that with less than three weeks to go, almost impossible. I find to see, it very to see hard to believe that people wins. will vote for Biden, though, just because he, he seems uh, like a man who's very much past his time. He's past his best. He's been, as, as Trump says, yep. he's been there uh, in Washington for 47 years. Look, he's, not he's the achieved most, very little. He's not the most dynamic of candidates, but what he does have is a lot of experience. He can be a calming influence, I think, at a time when America's never been more polarised. Mm. And he's fundamentally a decent man, Joe Biden. You know, he went through terrible tragedy. He lost his wife and his baby daughter in a car crash. Then his beloved son, Beau, died five years ago from brain cancer. He's been through awful stuff. And I think that gives him something Trump 
finds very difficult, which is an empathetic streak. And America right now needs healing, and it needs a, it's a, in a terrible of, way, and it needs moment. a metaphorical arm put around it. I'm looking at inauguration day and thinking, who is going to be that healer? Donald Trump, empowered if he gets reelected, when he's looking slightly out of control at the moment, or Joe Biden, who might make a speech which brings America together again. Very possibly so. What about the woke movement then? Do you see it ever ending? Because as we know, well, they're uh, insufferable. I mean, I find them as insufferable as you do, and I would say that as a liberal, and and I find a lot of people on the right wing uh, insufferable. But when it comes to liberal, I describe in the book the history of liberalism. If you want to actually claim to be a liberal, you've got to believe in free speech. Yeah. You've got to believe in people's right to express a different opinion to yours. In fact, you've got to believe, as Winston Churchill said, in the right to have people really offend you yeah. and to accept that's what a democracy and free speech is about. So the book tells a lot of stories where we've just gone slightly nuts, haven't we? I yeah. mean, when I saw Google uh, abandoning the egg from its salad emoji because it was offensive to vegans, <laughs> I thought, what is going on? Yeah. When I saw Altrincham School for Girls... Uh, say that you couldn't use the word girl yeah. in the school because it might offend the transgender yeah. lobby. And yet the school remains the Altrincham School for Girls. Yeah. When I heard radical feminists demand that James Bond should be female, all these things you think, the world has gone much... And then we get Justin Trudeau, the Prime Minister of Canada, a man who stands and says, we've got to get rid of the world mankind. Yeah. It should be called people kind. So we can imagine Neil Armstrong, can't mm. we? Can you imagine the moon landing? Yes. And Neil Armstrong, one small step for a person, right. one giant leap right. for people going. But it's like all these museums as well. I mean, you know, the, the Charles Darwin apparently, you know, is now being, being Crazy. sort of looked upon by the Natural History Museum. Winston as, as Churchill's statue. Winston Churchill's statue had to be boarded up yeah. during the Black Lives Matter protests because idiotic fringe element of those protests. Most of it was peaceful, but an idiot fringe the BBC, wanted to attack Churchill's statue. Yeah. But we also had to board up Mandela's and Gandhi's. I mean, this is the stuff of crazy. But, you know, my dad used to say to me, and uh, he was a very sort of wise character, he used to say, where do these people find the time? You know, who are all the they energy. All? Who are they all? There was a debate, Who are these people who are in constantly Australia? marching around the city, constantly looking for something to deface? Well, I think it's more looking... I think the Black Lives Matter protests, I supported them because... I felt what happened with George Floyd and the way it was all captured on camera was one of the worst things I've it ever seen. It was horrible. Absolutely despicable. And I do, I do believe... But it didn't have much to do with London. No, but I, no, no. But I do believe, even in this country, there is more that we can do for racial equality. I do. I just think if you're black in this country, you don't have as natural a, a start-up in life as most white people. Not all. But but most a lot think, of white people don't have much I mean, of a start up. I totally. That's why I said not all. Yeah. But I do think you just have it a little bit harder, and we should recognise that, and we should try and make. I mean, for example, in football, the majority of the biggest stars in the Premier League now are black, and yet there's no black chairman or owner, or even a manager mm. of a Premier League team. That's not right. That means the structure of the game is still inherently biased against black people, whereas the game itself is played by. A lot of black people who are fabulous footballers. Yeah. That can't be right. And we should be able to agree on things like that without that being branded a woke no, view. No, I agree. Because it's not, actually. Although it is a woke view by the original definition of woke, which was to before just be was aware hijacked. before it was hijacked by yeah. the illiberal, liberal, fascist wokies. And that's what they are. They've become the very fascists they profess to hate. They want us all to live and eat and act and behave and drink and dress and sound exactly like them and their very narrow, humorless prism of the world. Yeah. And so how is it going to end, though? That's what I'm saying. With my book. 
Your because book's my book it. is called Wake Up, right. and it's a clarion call to the Wokies, my fellow extreme liberals, to actually wake the hell up and stop this ridiculous cancel culture and stop universities no-platforming anyone that doesn't agree with their woke view and actually go back to old-fashioned debate of the kind we've had today yeah. where we can agree about some stuff, vehemently disagree about other things, and at the end of it, go and have a pint and be friends. Yeah, except That's we can't do that after Friday night. No. Because obviously it's all locked down. Well, obviously, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to get back into that again. But I do think that's the bedrock of yeah. democracy and has always been the bedrock of this country. Yeah. And I think your listeners right now probably started off thinking, I hate this guy. Yeah. And they're probably all now cheering me on. Yeah, they And that's are. the contradiction you're talking well, about. We'll find out. I don't think they're inconsistent. We'll find out because I've got, I, I, I'm not going to read them all out to you, but I did have some really, really serious abuse from people saying, why well, he's a petty minded bully. Why are you getting him on? And that's exactly why I'm they're getting you on. They're talking about you or me. Yeah, well, that's what I was wondering about. But that's why. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted you to get a taste of your own medicine. I hope you've enjoyed it. I love it. I hope to, uh, that uh, we will be able to get have a beer at some point soon. Unfortunately, yeah. I've got to do another two and a half hours of broadcasting uh, before I get I think get you're a brilliant here. broadcaster. Thank and you. I actually like it when you go after people. I think there's nothing wrong with passion. There's nothing wrong with having opinions. You do it better than most people on the airwaves. In fact, I can only think of one person that does it better. Yeah, that'd be you. Right? That'd be me. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the book. Uh, I'm holding it up. He doesn't need the money, by the way. So, um, no, but I do need the Instagram. But, you do, so need, thanks, but you do need the Instagram. <laughs> so listen, Piers Morgan, thank you very much indeed. We'll see you soon. Pleasure. Um, and uh, we'll be back. We, Of course, if you have been completely changed and turned around by what you've just heard, uh, we want to hear from you. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. Well, it's been quite easy to forget, hasn't it, that the uh, Brexit negotiations are all still basically going on uh, as we're trying to figure out precisely what a deal, if any, is going to be between the United Kingdom uh, and the rest of the European Union. Let's talk to Alex Phillips, uh, someone who knows an awful lot about how the European Union works uh, and someone who might be able to give us some insight into what is actually happening over in Brussels at the moment. Alex, very good afternoon to you. Hi, good afternoon. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. So I keep hearing sort of slightly, um, you know, different takes on how things are going. You know, Boris, I think, is trying to make out that there probably will be a deal of some kind, but it's not all that clear what that deal would include. The fishing business seems to be now front and centre of all of the conversations. Martin Daubney, who we both saw the other day, uh, was telling me that, uh, you know, there's very interesting future uh, for Emmanuel Macron. If, If the French lose out big time in the fishing front, you know, that could have a really big knock on effect for France and Frexit. Right. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting. What we're finally now seeing is the EU are not being able to put on a united front. Barnier is there leading the talks. Ursula von der Leyen has been meeting with Boris Johnson. But what we've got going on behind the scenes now, are individual member states suddenly throwing in their two bits and making their demands and centre to all of that, as you co- correctly identify, a French demands to continue fishing in our waters. It makes up a huge proportion of their catch. And the industry is quite important to them. You know, throughout history, we've um, bumped boats, if you will, with the French, whether it be the scallop wars. Um, And Macron's up for re-election himself next year. He won't want to see that critical industry take a hit, especially in, you know, post-pandemic economic fallout. Um, But there's a load of other things going on as well. I mean, we've heard that there might have been some movement on state aid, which I think is a a great shame because I think it's critical that we are able to support our businesses, especially in the wake of a COVID crisis. We've got huge manufacturers that might need us to help prop them up in the the short and medium term to save jobs and also to create a, a prosperous economic platform post-Brexit. But, I mean, we've already passed two deadlines when it comes to when we were supposed to have done a deal or we were walking away. That gets 
um, keeps being pushed further and further back. And I think what we're looking at now is probably going to be another two weeks yeah. and a new deadline of the 30th of October. And then it will go on again and again. And they'll keep on extending that deadline until they've realised that they're, they're out of this um, checkmate position, essentially. Right. Well, when you say we've missed two deadlines, it feels like we've missed 200 deadlines. I mean, it feels like we've oh, been yeah. doing this for years. You know, like I seem to remember uh, not going to see my mother in America. I think it was two years ago because her birthday was on March the 29th. And that was the day we were supposed to be leaving the European Union. So we didn't. So I didn't go. And then nothing happened, you know, and so nothing's happening again. But isn't there a danger, though, if we keep taking these extensions, that basically those who support a no deal Brexit will start to kind of lose faith in the government? I think those who support a no deal Brexit have already lost faith in the government because we could have activated a no deal Brexit at any moment. We could have said right now, do you know what? Forget all your offers, forget all the wrangling. We're off. We're going to just do our own thing, be a fully sovereign nation, deal with it. Let's now put the, the mechanisms in place to cope with that both sides of the channel. But we haven't done that, which creates more confusion for business. Nobody knows what's going on. Um, the tunnel, the, the talks have now gone into the tunnel, so it's very hard to assess what's going on behind closed doors. But I'd imagine the 30,000 corporate lobbyists representing big banking and big business in Brussels will be having their say as well. Um, but it, it seems apparent to me that, you know, if Boris keeps saying we're going to get a deal, we're going to get a deal, we're going to get a deal, then the only way for that to occur is through some serious capitulation to the EU, which is not what we want. I right. mean, if you look at some of the reports coming out of German media today, who are a lot more candid with their audience, and I think sometimes our media are, they've said present quite clearly accepted, that obviously. the European... Present company accepted. Yeah. They've said quite clearly in the European Parliament that the UK can no longer expect to have sovereignty if it wants a deal with the EU. Back in the day when we first started talking about a future relationship with the European Union, Michel Barnier himself was talking about a Canada Plus model, which right. the negotiator Ollie Robinson and Theresa May at the time rejected. But that is essentially a straightforward, off-the-shelf free trade agreement with a few bobbins on top because of our proximity, other things, whether it be related to visas, freedom of movement, so on and so forth, that you wouldn't necessarily have to do with a country the other side of the planet. Now, what we're hearing lately, and, and this has been reinforced in the German press today, is that's now off the table. And yet the EU are accusing us of the ones not negotiating in good faith. They're the ones who threatened us with a food blockade no. when essentially it was tacit in the Northern Ireland Protocol that there'd be no risk to passage of goods, especially food-based products between mainland Great Britain and Northern Ireland. They've reneged on that, forcing us to come up with the IMB. And now what we're seeing essentially is, oh, this this deal that you, you said you, you wanted to have and that we were offering about four years ago, sorry, that doesn't exist anymore. If you want to deal with us, we still want to control vast swathes of your economy and yeah. your regulation, which right. frankly just shouldn't fly. No, of course. And what's happened to their threat to sue uh, over the uh, the internal markets bill? Because that was all over uh, the press for a while ago. And, and I seem to remember um, that Christine Jardin, the Liberal Democrat MP from Edinburgh, uh, was on the show today talking about, well, not today, on the show a couple of weeks ago, talking about how, you know, our reputation is at stake. That all seems to have been forgotten, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, what a song and dance that was. You know, the EU uh, activate infringement, proceeding, uh, infringement proceedings against member states all the time. This is not a new thing that they do. And what they basically said is, well, because you've come up with the Internal Markets Bill and it jeopardises what's been put in statute in the withdrawal agreement, which is a terrible document, of course, yes. um, you know, therefore 
before we're now going to launch proceedings against you and you have until the end of October to answer to those proceedings. And that puts us now in the new deadline after today in which a deal should have been made. So it's more sort of trying to strong arm us and use geopolitical manoeuvring because what they did is precipitate a reaction in America where you had the Democrats at that point riding high thinking they were going to walk this election saying, okay, if the if the UK brings about the IMB, we won't do a free trade deal with the, 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 um, with the UK. Yeah. So, and that's largely because in American politics, the Democrats are supported hugely by the Irish-American lobby. So the EU have been on sort of pretty significant manoeuvres to try and strong arm right. us uh, and, and get our backs against the rope. I think the sad thing is eventually, I'm fairly certain we probably will capitulate. Yes, well, I hope not, because the trouble is, of course, that we now hear that from Downing Street's point of view, they're talking to the Democrats in terms of trade because they're worried that if they start backing Trump and he loses, and we've seen all this before, haven't we, with Bush and Clinton, you know, and they should know better than to mangle themselves with with American policies. Just stay the hell out of it and don't try and schmooze anybody would be my advice. Well, it's amazing, isn't it, how all of a sudden Democrats in America suddenly get a taste for involving themselves in our politics. I remember when we first had the referendum and Obama came out and said the UK would be back of back of the queue for a trade deal. We're America's biggest trading partner. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. But they all sort of, you know, famous O apostrophe Obama when he was um, in his own presidential campaign suddenly find this sort of Irish luck from somewhere. Yeah. Uh, but I think we just need to not listen to it. Whatever happens and whoever the administration is in America, I'm sure they'll want to do a free trade agreement with us. But it would actually bring me a bit more comfort if Donald Trump was still at the helm because he's got an appetite to do it and do it in a way I think that would be far more respectful of our industries because I think we can have a good communication with Donald Trump. The politicking coming out of the left of America at the moment and if we're still a nominally right-wing country with a conservative government it could well be difficult to build those bridges yes and i mean you still get these daft stories one in the sun today uh, on page four battle of portaloo which is a good headline uh, motorways to get toilets for brexit delay so apparently all the lorry drivers who are going to be sitting in their lorries waiting to get on a ferry uh, are going to have to have a whole load of portaloos down the m20 right. i mean really well, actually there's another there's another side of this story that people aren't talking about which is after if we leave without a deal after the 31st of december when the transition period ends we've given a six-month grace period where we're not going to be doing checks on produce and lorries and things coming from the eu into the uk we're like okay it's all good originating from the eu drive on in the eu are not doing the same which is why there's now this conversation of are there going to be queues trying to get to the other side of the channel but that's surely going to be injurious to their own industries they actually um import uh, export a lot more to us than we do to them and they're just frustrating their own uh, trade routes by doing that uh, but this is the way they behave and they're rarely called out in it people seem to think the eu are benign and benevolent force they are not they're run by a big cartel but a cartel of big banks and big business and they're more than happy to play dirty and that's what they're doing at the moment and i think that we should have the guts to say look we didn't vote to be some sort of satellite state of the eu still bound within your regulations and tied to your rule of law we voted to be an independent country it's very simple and what they're saying now is you don't get to be an independent country if you want to have any sort of deal with us, which is just, it, it's frankly geopolitical bullying. Yeah, it's bonkers, isn't it? And you would have thought that as COVID sort of uh, uh, takes its toll across Europe, they might have actually better things to do than to mess around with, with Brexit. They might just get on with it. 
I think actually there's a there's a certain sense now in some of the other member states that they want this to just be sorted out. And um, I think really being led by Merkel is a sort of more sanguine view, perhaps, of a looser relationship with the EU in future. And it is coming down to these very sticky points where member states now have their own interests and such as fishing. Um, but I, it, it's very difficult to see how we're going to manoeuvre through this in the next two weeks unless we've got something already in, packaged in place, which sadly we do. It's called the political declaration, that terrible 30-odd page document tacked on to the end of the withdrawal agreement, which laid out what the future relationship would look like. Mm. And it's essentially a relationship of um, utter subservience. It's, uh, it, it, it's a terrible framework to, to set off with any sort of trade negotiation, but that is what Boris bound us into with the oven-ready deal. So now you see the clock being run down. I can't really see any other way other than this dichotomy of the political declaration or a no deal. And I just don't think no deal is going to happen. No. Well, I hope you're wrong, um, but uh, I take your word for it because you talk to more people over there than I do. Alex, thanks very much indeed. Alex Phillips, former Brexit Party MEP, not particularly optimistic about a no deal Brexit, uh, but also it sounds like we're going to be dealing with this for a few weeks to come which is a bit soul-destroying as well, isn't it? But I suppose once we're all locked down in our houses, uh, we can pour over the Brexit documents. That'll be interesting, won't it? This is Talk Radio. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. On Talk Radio. The 2020 U.S. presidential election on Talk Radio. Bet on the U.S. election with Betfair with odds that reflect the race in real time. Odds speak louder than words. 18 plus begambleaware.org. Let's go live now to LaDonna Harvey at KOGO Radio in San Diego. Thanks to Betfair, our U.S. election coverage partner. LaDonna, welcome to the show. Well, it's good to be back. Thank you very much indeed. You follow Piers Morgan, uh, who he and I had a bit of a uh, dust-up this morning, which was all very good. He's got a new book out called Wake Up. Um, he was telling me that he doesn't think Donald Trump's actually going to win it this time. But let's talk about the uh, the big Joe Biden story that seems to be exciting everybody. Uh, a story the New York Post put out last night. I mean, more to the point of, of, of the story itself is actually the way that social media seems to have reacted to it. Uh, yeah, poorly, uh, poorly. Poorly. Is, is a really good word for that. 
Um, what Twitter and Facebook did was essentially ban the story right. from from going out on their platform, saying, "Oh, we need a third party fact check, etc." Um, this is a this is a news outlet. It's not a you know it's not a, a left wing or a right wing uh, you know arm of such and such party. It's an actual newspaper, right. um, and they published some pretty damning photographs to go along with a story about Hunter Biden. Right, um, and it's not flattering. No, and I mean <laughs> it seems perverse, does it not, that uh, that that Facebook, which has been which has been at the centre of all sorts of allegations of publishing fake news and allowing fake news to be published on its platform is suddenly now looking at what I would regard as, you know, old-fashioned journalism and saying, oh, we can't have that. Oh, right. Uh, this close to the election. I, is this true? Is this true? I don't know. It's October, honey. Uh, but the, 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 the photographs and the emails that are included in the story seem to back the story. Uh, they, they researched it pretty well. Right. And so, I mean, the, ba- the bare bones of the story about Hunter Biden, who's a fairly controversial figure anyway, isn't he? I mean, you know, he, it's, this is not the first story that's been negative about Hunter Biden. Uh, no, no. Hunter Biden has been, uh, um, you know, sort of the, the rough child of Joe Biden. Uh, and everybody has one in their family, let's face it. Uh, he's no different than anybody else, but he's doing it on a far greater level. And this had to do with Burisma, uh, with, you know, Hunter Biden getting a very high paying job with Burisma. And there are accusations and emails that back up accusations that Joe Biden did meet with somebody from Burisma through Hunter Biden, which he has denied the whole time. He still denies. Uh, and but there there are emails that back that up. And, and that, you know, brings to the question, you know, wait a minute. So you got your son this really cushy job or he got this job because of your name. And then suddenly you are meeting with people through him. But you say that you didn't do that and that, you know, this isn't nepotism and blah, blah, blah. And sure it is. Well, of course. Absolutely (laughs) right. And what have the New York Post said about this kind of uh, effective ban by Twitter and Facebook? You know, I I am not aware of what, if anything, the New York Post has said. I only know that Twitter is backtracking. Facebook is starting to backtrack a little bit and say, oh, you know, we might have jumped the gun on this. Um, They got their butt handed to them. Right. Absolutely right. And meanwhile, the sort of the 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 argument goes on, the the rallies go on. I saw a Biden rally, which didn't look as if it was terribly well attended. I presume that was deliberate because they didn't want to have too many people there. Uh, But Trump isn't uh, being too worried about all that. No, he's really not. Um, you know, they were supposed to debate tonight. They're not going to debate. Instead, there's going to be uh, dueling town hall meetings right. at the same time on different networks by the candidates. Um, it's it's going to be interesting to see who watches what or if anybody watches anything. Well, right. Well, I suppose for those who watched the last debate, um, at least they won't be interrupting each other. Uh, no, they won't. <laughs> no, they won't. Um, and it'll be far less entertaining as, as a result. Right. And let me ask you about the whole COVID scenario, because obviously that's massive here still. We've got London in lockdown uh, coming up with, into, into what they're calling tier two, which means more trouble for restaurants and bars. It's not prohibitive to move around, but that's happening in some parts of the north of England. Um, what's the story in California at the moment? Well, right now, um, we are still we're seeing a surge as well. Um, We're seeing it all across the country. I think at least 32 states 
are surging into more dangerous territory. We're kind of in California uh, hovering right there in the middle um, or or close to the top, but not at the top. Right. Um, they are threatening to, to close down more bars and restaurants if we don't get it under control. But at this point, I mean, even with, the, I believe it was the World Health Organization that came out and said lockdowns don't work. Right. Um, I, I think we all, I think we all know that. Well, I mean, um, but we, I think we can say that with some certainty on the basis that all the places where they have had lockdowns and much more severe lockdowns than we've ever done, they've still got a problem. Right. And we're going to have a problem. You know why? It's a virus. Yeah. And it spreads from person to person. And we don't have a natural immunity to it. And we don't have a, we don't have a cure. We have a few treatments that appear to work, at least with the president. Uh, but not everybody gets them, mm. and uh, it's just gonna it's gonna run its course, and it's awful. It's yeah. horrible. Well, I mean, it may well be running its course for the rest of time, rather like flu. You know, um, we were talking about a, a, a vaccine. Boris Johnson was talking about a vaccine earlier this week, and he said, "Well, it's entirely possible there will never be a vaccine, as there isn't a vaccine for everything." Right, and that's and that's absolutely true. I mm. mean, you know, viruses are notoriously hard. To, to vaccinate against, um, you know, as, as it takes years and years and years of research to figure out, you know, the vagaries of the science. Yeah, absolutely right. What a what an absolute nightmare. But we're counting down now to uh, just about, what, three weeks away to, uh, uh, to the actual presidential election. Obviously, um, it's going to be, I'm, I'm saying to people, I don't think we'll even get a result on the night. No, I don't think we will either. Um, and as a matter of fact, you know, we call it the election. I guess that's election day. Yeah. I've already voted. Uh, a lot of people have already voted. There mm. are people who are standing in line to vote. We've decided that an election now lasts for uh, for a month instead of uh, a day <laughs> because right. I guess it's just too hard to get out there and vote. It's it's so hard to make your voice heard that we have to make it super easy for people people to still not vote right and, and, and presumably <laughs> the counting process will take quite a long time as well because unless it's a complete landslide which i'm not sure it's going to be uh it's going to be it's going to be pretty close isn't it and oh boy that's it's so hard to call yeah. but the counting is the problem you yeah. know they have to match the signatures to the ballots and and all of that is going to start happening really on election night, which is going to be a, a very long process. We won't get the first results in till probably, you know, 11 o'clock our time here in, in right. California. Right. Wow. So that's that's seven o'clock in the morning for us. I mean, we will be doing an overnight show uh, here. So I don't think we've got any chance of getting a result before that finishes. But we'd be no. delighted if you could join us on it at some point. Absolutely. Fantastic stuff. LaDonna, thank you very much indeed. LaDonna Harvey reporting in from KOGO Radio in California. Thanks to Betfair, our US election coverage partner. On Speak Louder Than Words, 18 plus, begambleaware.org. U.S. election interview on talk radio. Bet on the U.S. election with Betfair with odds that reflect the race in real time. Odds speak louder than words. 18 plus, begambleaware.org. Very interesting times. I mean, we will be doing uh, an overnight show, as you would expect us to do here at Talk Radio. Uh, we're bringing you all the bells, all the whistles, all the great pieces of information that you need. We'll have some great guests, some tremendous people uh, to talk to, both uh, on this side of the Atlantic and as well uh, in the United States of America. Uh, that, of course, is Tuesday night, first week of November, uh, which is where it's all going to be happening. But it's true to say that I don't think that the uh, the result is actually going to be known, probably, for maybe two or three days afterwards. It might take that long 
Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. It is that time uh, for homeschooling. Uh, It might be that it's uh, half term for you coming up very shortly uh, because some schools are already breaking up. Certainly up in Scotland, I think they might be doing that. Many of you, of course, have had children with you throughout the course of the lockdown who went back to school in September. Um, And so you might be looking forward to uh, a slightly longer half-term break, which is apparently happening certainly in Northern Ireland. Uh, So you might want to do a bit of homeschooling. And we keep doing it, not just because we like doing it, but because it's always really, really interesting to find out stuff about places you thought you knew about. Today, we're going to speak to Dr Tosh Warwick, historian and steel industry and heritage expert, because we're going to talk about the Tyne Bridge, which, if you haven't ever seen it, is one of those great landmarks that you see uh, off the train when you take the train up the East Coast main line, uh, particularly if you're going from London to Edinburgh. But let's say a very good afternoon to Dr Warwick. Dr Warwick, hello. Good afternoon. Thanks very much indeed for joining us. I mean, I did sort of um, make it aside when we talked about this this morning that, you know, what's 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 the uh, the story with the Tyne Bridge? It, presumably it means you can't walk over it at the moment because of the COVID crisis. But um, but it's a fascinating <laughs> piece of, uh, of, of architecture. Tell us uh, a little bit about it and, 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 and tell us about your interest in it as well. Let me give you a few um, uh, uh, subjects and facts. Uh, built by Teesside engineers Dorman, Long and Company, the structure was designed by Mott, Hay and Anderson, who based their design, now here's an interesting thing, right, on the Sydney Harbour Bridge. Now, I've never seen a Sydney Harbour Bridge close up, but everybody, of course, knows exactly what that's about. Uh, it's actually the fourth Tyne Bridge that was built uh, at that same location. The first one was built by the Romans in, uh, what is it, what, 122 AD, the medieval bridge around 1179, and George Bridge of 1781 uh, were also built in exactly the same spot. So um, it's a fascinating history uh, that the Tyne Bridge has actually got. Um, and of course, at the moment, you know, in Newcastle, you know, Fog on the Tyne is one of those great songs that the, that the local people will, uh, will tell you about as soon as you get up there. You know, at the moment, uh, the students are all in Newcastle University and not having the greatest time. But um, if you've ever been up there and you have ever looked out the train window, you will know precisely what the Tyne Bridge uh, is all about. We will be talking uh, once again to our, our, our good friend, Mr Tosh Warwick, as soon as we sort out his phone, uh, which doesn't seem to be uh, uh, being very friendly to us at the moment. Let's try again. Dr Warwick, hi. So how are we doing? Okay. That sounds a lot better. There we are. Sorry now, about that. Third time, lucky mate. No, I, I know. He's, listen, sometimes these things are sent to try us. You know, it's not, it's not uh, anybody's fault, really. Um, I was just looking at how this is the fourth Tyne Bridge that was built, which is fascinating because I didn't realise, I suppose I should have done, because you see Roman sort of viaducts all the time. Mm-hmm. I never thought the Romans would have would have uh, built a bridge up there, but apparently they did. Yeah, the bridges over the time date back to the Roman period. And, you know, the Roman bridges, all the foundations at least, were replaced by a stone bridge right. um, all the way back in the 13th century. So the, um, the, the, the time bridge is, uh, you know, one of many bridges that have spanned the, the river and Newcastle as the high-level bridge by uh, Robert Stevenson. And a lot of these connections over the river were, were built because of the, the rise of industry and the rise of railways, of course. Yes. Um, you know, and the, the Tyne Bridge was seen as a solution to lots of problems that were posed by by crossing the this massive industrial river. You know, it's one of the busiest rivers in the whole nation. Before the, the Tyne Bridge, right. they had a swing bridge for people to, to cross the river. There was a massive problem there because it was opening 20 to 30 times a day. Right. It just simply wasn't practical. And I presume, I suppose, that was in the time when there was an awful lot more shipbuilding going on. 
Absolutely. It was, it was when the time was a hub of shipbuilding worldwide. You know, there was Armstrongs, there was Palmers. Um, these are major firms that built ships that went across the globe and right. you know really defined the, the industry of that region. Okay. And I'm told that it was sort of designed to look a bit like the Sydney Harbour Bridge. It does have a similarity, doesn't it? It does. There's, there's a, a common myth that the, the, the Tyne Bridge was a, a prototype for the uh, the Sydney Harbour Bridge, which isn't actually true, it was built by the same company, Dorman Long of Middlesbrough. Right. Um, Ralph Freeman, one of the engineers, was involved in both structures. Um, and a lot of the workers, actually, who built the Tyne Bridge went off to build the Sydney Harbour Did Bridge they? after completing the Newcastle job. Yeah, right. so there's lots of connections there, but it, it, it was not a prototype, but it has very similar define, um, design features, and I've been lucky enough to visit both. Yeah. yeah, well, lucky you. I've not managed to get the uh, the, the Sydney Harbour bit, actually, uh, in, into into my experiences. But I'll tell you what else is interesting uh, about it is up in the northeast, people are very sort of, um, I don't want to say tribal, but they're very specific about which part of the northeast they're from. You know, like if you were ever to accuse somebody uh, from Newcastle of being from Sunderland or from Middlesbrough, they get quite worked up about it. Uh, similarly, Gateshead is, is you know, is, is a part of, 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 the, of the area that people are quite proud of being from, aren't they? Absolutely, it's you know its official name is a Newcastle Gateshead Bridge. You know right. Newcastle gets a lot of the attention there, but I mean this massive rivalry. You know the the contract for the bridge to be built it could have went to um, Armstrong Whitworth, which was a Newcastle firm on the on the banks of the time there. It actually went to a Middlesbrough company, Dorman Long, and we take I'm, I'm, I'm a Middlesbrough boy myself, right. and we take great delight in telling the Geordies that we built their bridge <laughs> for them. Right. Yeah. 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 And how, and how do they react to that? I don't think they're very keen on it, you know. I think it's, you know, the bridge has been adopted by then as a bridge, but, you know, we're quite keen to always have that reminder that the steelwork is stamped with Dorman, Long and Co. Middlesbrough, just as Sydney Harbour bridges and bridges across the, the globe. Yes, exactly right. And, of course, Fog on the Tyne, very famous song that, that most people around the world have heard at some point or other. And the Tyne really is one of those sort of iconic rivers, isn't it? It is. The Tyne is, you know, it's, it's an outstanding river. It's, it's, it's been redefined recently with regeneration and so on. Um, but it, it was one of the major industrial hubs of, of Britain and the Empire when the, when the Tyne Bridge was built. Mm. But the bridge is really much, you know, it's very much part of that Tyne story. The bridge was built, um, you know, to, to actually enhance crossings across the river, but also because there's massive unemployment mm. on Tyne's side. Up to 40% unemployment in some industries. Shipyards are closing down. So the perfect opportunity was for the, the government to build this key bit of infrastructure, enhance industry, but also employ those riveters and um, you know those fabricators who worked on the shipyard right. in building the bridge. And we hear all the time about the fourth bridge and how you know they paint it constantly because by the time they get to one end of it, they have to start again at the other end. Is that the case with the, with the Tyne Bridge as well? It's not the case for the time, but the time is quite unique in that they actually had a, a Gateshead firm produce a special type of paint, ah. a special type of green paint for that bridge. So right. the, the bridge, when it was initially painted, had a unique coating, and that was replicated when it was um, regenerated at the, at the, during the millennium. Mm. And nowadays, from what you said, it sounds like it's not opened as much. The, the bridge itself. The bridge, the bridge still serves as a, a major road crossing over the um, River Tyne. It's, mm. uh, you know, it's a massive part of the infrastructure there. Um, obviously, there's been new bridges built. There's been pedestrian bridges built with right. the, the blinking and eye bridge. And isn't there a so, tunnel as well now under the Tyne? They have, they have, I think it's two Tyne tunnels now. Right. Um, you know, so the, the importance of the bridge in terms of being a major crossing has been 
usurp, but it's exactly the same as what happened with the Tyne Bridge. Okay. Previous, previously, people used the Highwood Bridge, which is a toll bridge. Because the Tyne Bridge was free, um, people latched onto that, and there's traffic chaos um, in the days after it opened because people wanted, you know, something for nothing. Right. And there is, I mean, there is that. I mean, when, there's something wonderful about driving into sort of Newcastle, coming up on uh, on, on on the Angel of the North, and then you sort of go down into the. And I've, I mean, whenever I've driven there, it, there's always been quite a lot of traffic, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, it dominates the skyline, and you've you've got these vast structures that really embody the the northeast. Yeah. You know, in Stafford, Lindsay's spanning the time, but he talks about the bridge being the time great Meccano set, and people talk about it. You know, on the opening, it's, it's described as the the great, ra- uh, the great rainbow bridge, you mm. know. So these are striking, you know, pieces of, you know, industrial heritage yes. that we really should protect and celebrate, and you know, really, really are place making, you know, landmarks. Sure, yeah, great history, great city, and and some great stories. Dr. Tosh Warwick, thank you very much indeed, historian uh, and steel industry and heritage expert. Talk radio across the UK, online, on DAB and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. And if you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us on 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.